What's up, everyone? My name is James Aguirre, and I am one of the hosts of the Unbiased Football Talk. And tonight, I'm flying solo. It was kind of an impromptu decision by me to just go ahead and record. Uh, we didn't have a podcast yet before we kick off week six with the Co- Commodores, whatever you want to call them, and the Bears. So I thought I'd get someone, something for you guys to listen to before we kick off the next week of, uh, of the NFL action. So we're going to get started tonight by a quick little recap of the Chiefs and Raiders Monday Night Football game, which happened a few days ago. It's going to kind of bleed into another topic I want to talk about. But uh, first, I just want to say I, I've gone a lot into fantasy football and DraftKings recently. So it's kind of numbed my experience as a pure fan in the past five, six years. But um, this is why the NFL is king. You know, I'm on the edge of my seat on a Monday night watching the Chiefs and Raiders, two teams that, you know, as, as in the fandom aspect, I did I don't care about at all. You know, it's not I'm a Niner fan, so it's not really I'm not really on the edge of my seat for the Raiders and Chiefs. But, you know, shout out to Mike. I was actually rooting for the Raiders in this one for some reason. Like I I you know, I cheered when Devontae Adams caught that second touchdown. Like I, I really wanted them to win and I, I really don't know why. Um, I had some showdown action, but not a lot, not not enough to like you know, really be sweating a lot. I didn't have a sweat anyway. I didn't have any. Um, I don't. Even, I had too much Darren Waller, I think, which he didn't even play. So, whatever. F that guy. But I want to get into some of the late game decisions by both coaches. Uh, first off, uh, the one that the first one I remember was the decision by the Raiders after they make it 30 to 29 to go for two to take the lead. Now I, I get, I I understand. Well, at first as a guy who normally supports the fourth down and two point conversion attempts, this one at first, I was like, "Eh, I don't know if I agree with it or not, but, um, on second thought, it makes total sense why you go for it there. And why I've changed my tune and I actually support the decision because and this is going to, I'm just going to use this logic for every time uh, an offense decides to go for it on a fourth down when a, a lot of people think they should just, you know, be conservative, punt, or take the field goal. You, you're averaging, the, the Raiders averaged seven yards per play in this game, roughly seven yards per play. You know, Josh Jacobs was tearing up the Chiefs all night. Uh, Carr had huge, you know, a lot of big connections with Devontae Adams. Uh, long completions so the, the offense was moving the ball the Chiefs cannot stop them and so if I'm the Raiders you know I need to if I kick the field goal here and tie it my defense still has to stop the Chiefs right like they still have to stop them and get the ball back so here I am I can go for two and take the lead here and then all of a sudden my defense still needs to stop them but if my defense does stop them I'm winning the game I just have to kill some clock and win the game. Now, granted, if you miss it, the Chiefs get a chance to kill the clock. But either way, in the grand scheme of things, your defense needs a stop one way or the other. And um, whether you... Okay, so I guess the counterpoint is if you missed it, the Chiefs don't have to score. They can just try to get two or three first downs and end the game. So I understand it from that aspect, but I'm... Again, your offense is averaging seven yards per play. You have a chance to 
to go up by two and just need one stop from your defense to win this game. You know, you're the road team. You don't want to go into overtime in Arrowhead against that crowd. So I fully understand and I'm going to say I fully support McDaniel's decision to go for two right there to try to get the lead rather than tie and have your defense stop them and then probably go to overtime. And at that point, you're flipping coins for the ball and you may never see the ball again. Uh, before that, the the Chiefs, they scored to make it a seven-point game, 30-23. And then they decided to go for two to try to make it a nine-point game. And I, I love this call by Andy Reid. You know, you got, again, your defense is a sieve tonight. They cannot stop the Raiders at all. And so if you go up by eight, the Raiders can still score and get a two-point conversion and tie the game in one possession. And so, again, I'm going to trust my all-pro quarterback to get two yards to go up by nine with however much time was left and make it extremely difficult for the Raiders to come back. You know, because they're probably scoring anyway, right? So might as well make them score twice. So yeah, I, I again, I understand that logic and support it from uh, Andy Reid's perspective because, again, you have Patrick Mahomes. Like, get two yards, you know? And I'm going to go... I'm going to talk about another controversial fourth down call that didn't end up costing the team the game, but it got a lot of attention. It was the Chargers and Browns. Uh, the situation was it was fourth fourth and one on the Chargers 46. And there was, how much time was left? It was a minute 13 left, right? The timeouts, Cleveland had no timeouts. So... Uh, a lot of people said the Chargers should punt the ball there, pin the Browns back, and um, make them drive the length of the field if they want to try to get a field goal and win the game. Well, Brandon Staley says, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get this one yard and ice the game right there. Because, again, the Browns have no timeouts. If you get that first down, you're you're kneeling on the clock to, to win the game. And, of course, it doesn't work out, and everyone loses their shit. You know, because again, Brandon Staley being too reckless, how could he possibly go for that fourth down there? Why not just punt the ball and trust your defense? You know, and but side note, I really don't care what he said in the press conference. You know, I went for it because I trusted my defense. Yeah, that actually, that that actually makes sense. You know, whether or not you believe him or not, it actually makes sense that if you trust your defense, you go for it because you trust them to stop them from the 46 or from the 20. So. But, you know, I don't care what he said. I care what he did. And clearly, Brandon Staley trusts his offense more than his defense, which, again, I don't blame him for it. You have Justin Herbert, a potential all-pro quarterback, uh, to get one yard to close the game out. One yard. Like last year against the, the Chiefs, that, that game where he missed like four fourth down conversions. The plays worked. The players just did not execute. Like this is my overall this this was the biggest the overall point I was getting to with this was when are we gonna stop eviscerating the coaches for being aggressive on fourth down when they should be? And when are we gonna start to put the blame on the players for not executing? Like Justin Herbert, get a yard. Derek Carr, get two yards for that two point conversion. Patrick Mahomes, get two yards for that two point conversion. Like seriously. When I don't I don't get it like and I also don't understand why people are so hesitant and quick to judge these coaches for these coaching decisions in an offensive league like yes I'm gonna trust my quarterback to get one or two yards every time before I'm gonna trust my defense to stop any offense in this offensive oriented league 
you know you got uh, ridiculous roughing the passer calls now the rules have shifted to favor the the passing offense that is nothing new that's it's been that way for years now and I just I don't understand eviscerating these coaches for making these decisions that are mathematically supported you know uh my one of my favorite podcasts uh hey Ren Middlecoff John Middlecoff laments people who say trust the process because he wants to pr- he wants to see your process yield results like you know he always says I want to see Nick Saban's process because he wins well you know what <laughs> uh, John I I love you man but what are you talking about like the Eagles won a Super Bowl against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick with Nick Foles using an analytical approach you know John Harbaugh one of the one of the best coaches in the AFC of the past 20 years him and Lamar Jackson have been at the forefront of analytical approaches what have they done they've kicked everyone's ass for the past few years like they he's been one of the winningest head coaches in the league in his tenure and especially in the past few years they've had they've had several years where they just you know blew out the competition granted no Super Bowls but it's hard to win a Super Bowl it's hard to win a Super Bowl being conservative old school it's hard to win a Super Bowl being aggressive and you know progressive with a quote analytical approach so and yes I do understand that you can't just be a, a spreadsheet slave and just go by the numbers every single time there is nuance and context you have to apply to every situation but you know what that's why they play the games that that's why you have you have to have these players execute and so why wouldn't you just have that extra tidbit information saying hey this is your win probability if you do this versus this but you're the head coach you make the decision you know john harbaugh has done that better than anyone in the league so far and uh yeah i just i just don't understand the venom that these coaches get for doing a process that's mathematically supported you know yes they they shouldn't just you know stick to this quote spreadsheets you know you do have to like i just said apply some context to every situation but i'm gonna trust my offense every time to get those two yards you know i i don't care i don't care if it's jacoby Brissett on the other side i don't care if it's patrick mahomes on the other side i'm trusting my offense to convert that fourth and short and seal the game or increase my chances of winning because I do not want to put the game in the hands of my defense. I do not want to surrender the ball to the other offense in an offensive-oriented league. So, you know, I'm real. I'm really tired of people not understanding, you know, this basic concept of win probability and math, and just not giving the ball up willingly. You know, get the two yards. Trust your offense. And when it doesn't work, stop blaming these coaches for the decision. Because you know what? One, the front offices are also involved in this somewhat i'm sure and two blame the players the players need to execute maybe the maybe the play call sucks you know sometimes it's out of their control like the fourth and short that the raiders had at the end of the game they throw a hail mary where two guys are on the same part of the field like that was absolutely terrible that's on mcdaniels grill him all you want you know that that's totally on him but the i don't know two-point conversion uh this play against the browns the chargers couldn't convert you know the plays last year against the Chiefs where the Chargers players were literally dropping balls like come on the players take some blame in this too so uh that that's my whole rant on the fourth down attempts you know two-point conversions I, I support these coaches being aggressive yes you do have to apply some context to every situation but let's not put all the blame on the coaches when it doesn't work out because the players need to execute too you know and um so that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that. 
one last topic that I wanted to get to for today was uh, the concussions and the ridiculous roughing the passer penalties. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, Tua had that terrible concussion that wasn't diagnosed a concussion, but was probably a concussion. Goes back in the game, finishes it, plays three days later, and has that uh, has a second terrible hit, has a fencing reaction. Like it was, it, it was a it was a bad sight. You know, he never should have been out there to play that game. Having said all that, I think it has completely jumped the shark the other way. Now, you know, the the movie Concussion came out a few years ago. The NFL changed some stuff from that movie, I believe. And now we see the NFL overreacting again to a situation that, you know, the, the fall guy for the Dolphins, the guy who got fired, he actually thought he was doing his job correctly. You know, part of the old protocols was you're relying on players to be uh what's the word to give you to willingly give you information like are you hurt can you see this can you do that and so you know sometimes the players just want to you know get back in the game which i don't blame them for and so you know what these new rules i guess prevent i guess try to protect the players from themselves which is you know all good but they're they're also you also see like the ugly side of it where Chris Jones gets flagged for a pass interference on Derek Carr in a routine sack. Same with Tom Brady. I think it was Grady Jerry sacked him. I don't know, but, you know, everyone saw that call. It was absolutely terrible. But you know what? That is the overreaction that you get when the NFL gets eviscerated for, you know, the Tua situation, for one franchise mishandling that whole thing. Maybe, I mean, Maybe it was just one guy who sucked at his job that caused the Dolphins to look bad. But either way, under the old concussion protocols, you know, Bridgewater ironically got knocked out of the game with a concussion. Uh, He passed the protocols. He could have entered the game if this was week two. But under the new rules, they kept him out. And now he hasn't been able to practice all week, didn't clear concussion protocol, even though I'm a little confused about that. He didn't have a concussion, but he still had to enter protocol for this week. I mean, again, that's just the overcautiousness of the NFL reacting to that two situation, which, you know what, it's these players' lives at stake, so I don't blame them, but you also, I guess my overall point is you can't have it both ways in wanting extra safety for the players, but also complaining about bad roughing the passer calls, because that's just how it's going to be, you know, it's just a new NFL, that's just the way it is, you can't you can't decapitate people running across the middle anymore. Uh, you, know, you can't touch receivers past the line of scrimmage. And you can't be aggressive against quarterbacks. You know, th- there was a clip running around where Brady, it's 2001, Brady scrambles to his right against the Bills, and the Bills defender literally launches himself in the air and just pulverizes Brady. Uh, yeah, that's the NFL that I grew up watching. It's. You know, I think you all remember the jacked up segment on ESPN years ago. Uh, it's not that's not the NFL anymore though, and that league is not here. It's a new, essentially, you could call it flag football if you want, but that's just how it is because player safety has taken a precedence. You know, not that I'm against player safety, but I like violence. You know, I like watching MMA fights some weekends. I like hard hits in the NFL. I'm not going to apologize for what I like. And, um, yeah, I just think the NFL has totally flipped, a, flipped its head on this concussion situation. 
Um, you know, I'm really curious. What if Tua never got that concussion against the, uh, I don't even know who he got against, but the first one before the Thursday night game. What if he never gets that concussion, right? And then Thursday night happens, he, he gets thrown on the ground, he has he has a concussion, gets knocked out of the game. He's playing in the next week, right? Like, he's definitely playing because he would have had 10 days, he probably would have passed protocol, and he would have played. But, you know, because the sequencing, because he had that bad one first, and it was mishandled, and then he went out again had another one, now you have this... Uh, now you have a complete overreaction to a situation where it, it, it's it's just funny, you know. It's uh, it's what baseball bears use to bet win totals in baseball. You know, a team hits a single and a home run, and depending on what order they did in, they either have one run or two runs. Same offensive output. It's just what order did you do it in, and that's kind of what happened here, in my opinion. You know, if Tua never had that first concussion, uh. I mean, he he's playing in week four, I think it was, last week. I think he's playing last week because he probably clears that protocol in the 10 days since the Thursday game, and none of this is a, is a topic, you know? So uh, that's, uh, that's my thoughts on that. And interestingly enough, um, uh, roughing the passer penalties are actually down, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, so that that's actually an interesting note. They're down from last year, which... I guess is a good thing, but still, like we see the absolute ridiculousness of you know what are these defenders supposed to do in some of these situations. Um, one more thing, I lied. I do have one more topic to that I wanted to. Hit. It was ironically enough, one of our favorite teams. Let's ride the Denver Broncos. So I went ahead and compiled the yards per play data for every team so far this year compared it against their win-loss record and their Super Bowl odds and you know you have some familiar faces at the top in terms of yards per play differential uh, side note um, sports bettors use yards per play differential to get a baseline spread value for how teams performing the current year and so you see the team like the Bills with the best in the league at plus 2.3 you just basically you just take the difference divide by 0.2 and you get you get a spread difference which uh, 2.3 0.2 would be uh, 0.5 is 0.5 would be two and a half points better than average team on neutral field so 2.3 would be what what one point I don't know I've you know what I'm sorry I'm butchering this segment basically the Bills are at the top San Francisco is second. Philadelphia is third. Lo and behold, the Broncos are fourth with a 0.7 plus yards per play differential. And but the record is two and three, so they haven't been performing up to the up to what you think they would be. Now, a lot of that is buoyed by their defense. Uh, they are, I believe, like the second best differential in the league. I mean, the second best uh, defense in the league in terms of yards per play. Their offense, for as bad as it looked, it's average in terms of yards per play 5.4 5.5 is normally the league average year to year they're averaging 5.4 so far and uh lo and behold we find out russell wilson's been playing with a torn lat or whatever it is so if he gets healthier from that they have you know the receivers on the outside to to really score with some of these elite offenses if russ can you know be anything like he was before he came to denver and um 
you know, I understand if you don't want to put faith in this team bouncing back, but the they haven't been as bad as they've shown so far. Just because that defense has been so elite. Now, they, that that game was a body bag game on Thursday. You know, they they lost a lot of starters, a couple of defensive starters. Not for the year. Justin Simmons is supposed to be back, I think, next week. I mean, he's eligible to return next week. So, But they lost an offensive tackle. They lost Javante Williams the week before that. So they are hurting for injuries. And their schedule is not, you know, it's not favorable at all. Just go look at it. They, they still play the Chiefs and Chargers multiple times. Um, it's not It's not exactly a, uh, it's not a cakewalk. But uh, their current Super Bowls are 66-1. to 1. And for a team that's fourth in the league in yards per play differential so far, um, I mean, you could do worse, you know, for a futures bet. You could definitely do worse. And so I don't think we've seen the last of Denver. Obviously not. They're on primetime every other week. We get them on primetime again this Monday against the Chargers. But um, I, I do think there's still time and room for them to improve and bounce back and be the team that some thought they are going to be. You know, even with a buffoon at head coach at Daniel Hackett. Uh, I think Chip Kelly made the playoffs with Philadelphia once, so anything is possible in the NFL. But that's going to be it for me for this quick uh, week, week five recap and some of my thoughts on um, uh, random topics throughout the league. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please give it a listen, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Peace.